Mindfulness Mode 406. And I want to show women what it's like to stand up for yourself, but in a way that is not tearing down other people. Hey, Mindful Tribe, get ready for a terrific episode right here on Mindfulness Mode. If you're new, welcome to the show. And if you're a repeat listener, I'm so grateful to have you here. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. One of the things I want to mention is I'll be attending and speaking at PodFest Expo in Orlando, Florida, coming up on March 7th, 8th, and 9th. It's happening at the Wyndham Orlando Resort. I've been to PodFest twice before, and I can tell you that it was an amazing experience. I totally enjoyed it. PodFest Expo is all about community. It's all about people. Chris Kermitzos, who is one of the founders, is such a great people person, and he makes sure that this event is centered on what really matters, and that's connections. He's a terrific events host. He keeps everything moving the way it should be, keeps things on time, and he has some excellent, excellent speakers. You can check them out on the website. If you'd like to be a guest on podcasts, maybe you'd like to be promoted in the media, which is a great thing to have happened for your business. Maybe you'd like to meet hundreds of podcasters, including myself. Come to PodFest. It's it's just one of the best places to go for this. You can check out the website at podfestexpo.com and get your ticket there. If you've heard about it here and you decide to attend PodFest, email me and we'll meet up at the event. I'd love to see you there. So like I said, check it out at podfestexpo.com. Today's guest explains her take on diets, which may be completely different from anything you've ever heard. She talks about how miracles have actually happened with her weight loss clients in only seven weeks. She's worked with Oprah's teams and she absolutely lives and breathes mindfulness. She's currently on a tour to promote her new book, which is absolutely terrific. I read it already, it's it's really well written and gives terrific advice much of it based on mindfulness but it's advice about mindset and how to change the direction of your life especially in relation to food and exercise and diet and diet like you'll find out is she's got a whole different look at that word but like I said she's on a book tour so you can you can see her in New York City on March 2nd Atlanta March 7th Savannah March 8th St. Louis March 10th in LA March 22nd Portland Oregon March 23rd and Seattle on March 24th so Get out there and meet Susan. I think you'll you'll be glad you did. Sit back, get ready for a terrific interview with Susan Hyatt. Mindful Tribe. Wow, I am so excited today. I have the wonderful Susan Hyatt with me. We're going to talk all about uh, weight loss and the body and our mindset and all of this kind of thing. She's got a fantastic new book. Hey, Susan, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode on steroids. Does that work? Is that like <laughs> that, <a> moron? <laughs> no, it definitely works. It's okay to be on steroids for today, for this interview, the kind of steroids you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a delight. 
Oh, my pleasure. Susan Hyatt is a master certified life and weight loss coach based in Indiana. She's coached over a thousand women and she specializes in helping women stop dieting and love the skin they're in. She's the author of two books, Create Your Own Luck, and now this fantastic new book called Bear, a seven-week program to transform your body, get more energy, feel amazing, and become the bravest, most unstoppable version of you. <laughs> Her work's been featured in places like O, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Women's World, Cosmopolitan, and The Huffington Post. So we're going to talk all about this bear process. This is going to be fun. But first, Susan, what does mindfulness mean to you? You know, mindfulness is really the foundation of everything that I do. Because in working with thousands of women over the past decade around issues with food and body, it really is about having presence and being with yourself and, and in the moment and using all of your senses. Now, this book, Bear, a seven-week program, the first thing I want to ask you is, why did you call your book Bear, B-A-R-E? <laughs> it's a really good question because... It's about shedding everything that you don't need and getting bare, like bare down to the raw truth for yourself. Well, one of the things you talk about right away is diets. How do you define a diet? Well, I'm anti-diet. And so a diet to me is any sort of external plan that you can mess up somehow. And it typically involves a lot of deprivation. Well, you have been on diets a few times, oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, uh, by the time a woman is my age, I'm 45, um, she's dieted on average 31 years of her life. And within that time has tried over 60 different kinds of diets or tried dieting 60 times. So for sure. I, I spent my time dieting and what I discovered in the beginnings of my career in helping women lose weight is that I could help a woman lose weight, but there was a lot of other things going on internally that was the real issue um, and the external plans or the deprivation that goes on with trying to lose weight is not sustainable. So I've created what I consider to be a sustainable way of being. Well, you talk about Weight Watchers because you were on Weight Watchers and you were very clever with Weight Watchers because you described in your book about how you learned to cheat their system. Tell <laughs> us about that. <laughs> well, I've always been a bit of a contrarian. And so, um, yeah, you can absolutely game the Weight Watcher system. So Weight Watchers is a points-based system. And I had a, a, a little pearl bracelet with a charm where I would track how many points that I had eaten, but you know, it, it's one of those things where different food groups have different points assigned to it. And, you know, if you, if you overeat on broccoli, you're still overeating. So, so I would find foods that had low points and just gorge myself with those. And if you're only keeping track of points, you're only measuring scale weight, you're really missing an opportunity to get to know yourself and figure out what else is happening. Well, this whole weight thing all came to a head one day when your daughter Cora snapped a picture of you. Tell us about that. Well, so she's 18 now, but um, she was a little thing at the time. And we were going on spring break and we I ordered new swimsuits for all. You know, the whole family, we had yeah. beach towels, new swimsuits. 
and I was feeling good about myself. Uh, so I thought, and I put on a swimsuit and she took a picture of me in it. And I remember she was so delighted to take this picture uh, because kids, right? Kids love to be in photos. They love to take photos. They, until they're older, haven't received a lot of the programming that we've received that our body should look a certain way. And I remember I looked at it and thought, oh my gosh, like, let's delete this immediately. And I remember she was like, what's wrong? And in that moment, it, it kind of struck me that I was, I was deleting myself literally. And how often we do that in our lives where we duck out of photos or we position the kids in front of us in photos or, you know, avoid situations where we're not going to be seen because we don't think that how our physical form is showing up is good enough. And it really caught my attention that I didn't want to model that for her. Well, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I just want to take a second and tell you that your book is so much fun to read because it's just it's easy it's it's straightforward it's like you getting to know me i feel susan like i know you <laughs> and I, I i just received your book and i know that your book is geared toward women and that's okay but i just loved reading it because it's so personable and it, and i feel like i get to know you and you're telling me your story and then in your book you start talking about different things that made me laugh like your intense mexican binge fest at the la hacienda restaurant you know <laughs> <laughs> i was laughing i think this book is such a joy because it will be so easy for so many women to to understand your message and of course your message is through the bear process. So let's talk about the bear process. How's it different from a diet? Absolutely. So um, basically what I did, how I created the bear process is that I started to realize that my space in the food and body realm was really about self-love. And I started to think about of all the successes that I had had as a personal coach, um, what were the activities that I would assign for homework to my clients that had the most success and success in a couple of different ways. So I don't mean success like, oh, this assignment caused X number of pounds to be lost. I mean, assignments that they couldn't see coming, that they couldn't overthink, that they thought, oh, this will be great. I'll do this. And then once they did it, there was so much revealed to themselves and then to me as their coach to work on. So I started to track um, those activities. And I put together what I, I curated a list of what I thought would help a woman come back to herself the fastest. And um, so, yes, we do talk about food, but we talk about food in terms of mindfulness, in terms of attentive eating and using all of your senses when you're eating instead of like you mentioned jokingly the mexican binge fest you know eating behind your back and doing all those things that happen when you aren't mindful and when you check out and just stuff yourself so um the first step though of the bear process is something i call environmental diet which is about all of the things coming at you in your environment and in your life that aren't food. So what are you watching? What are you listening to? What kinds of conversations are you having with friends and family and colleagues at work? Um, what's coming at all of your senses that contribute 
to your mindset and your feeling state. And what's interesting about that first step is that many of my clients realize that they've just been on default mode, that they haven't been awake in their own lives. And there's work to be done around boundaries and decisions um, so that they have a much healthier way of being going through their day and their life. And that's actually one of my favorite steps because so many people, I know this was me, I really didn't think I had a choice. You know, oh, well, this is what everyone else wants to have on TV, or this is what everyone else at the office is doing for lunch. And it's a, it's a process of putting yourself in the driver's seat. Well, I love how you tell the story of hiring your first weight loss coach, Brooke Casatello. And she said, what would feel like love right now? Mm-hmm. And she talked about love. Well, let's talk about love. What does that have to do with losing weight? Absolutely. So yes, so Brooke was instrumental in my life. And that question, what feels like love is really a guiding principle of the bear process, because what feels like love, that question is so unique to so many to, to each individual. So what feels like love to me means coming on this broadcast and sharing what I know rather than taking a nap, you know, and what feels like love to a client might actually be going to Pilates instead of sitting on the couch and eating a bag of Doritos. And so the question isn't what's easiest, it's what feels most like love and it helps us turn turn towards our bodies and figure out what's the best possible thing I could do for myself right now. Is it really watching the State of the Union address? Yes or no? For some, it could be yes. And for others, it could be no. But it's asking the question to guide you instead of just being in default mode. So what happens if I think what feels like love and I think, oh, eating chocolate cake right. or eating fresh made homemade bread with butter? What do I do then? Yes, I love both of those. (laughs) So when I talk about food, I talk about food in terms of not good or bad, but there's foods that power you up, so that energize you, power foods, and foods that are pleasurable, that are strictly for pleasure. And of course, power foods like my favorite avocado can can be both, right? But so if what feels like love is that I sit at this table and have homemade bread with warm butter... Absolutely. I think that's part of the problem is that people assume if I'm living a healthy lifestyle that there are entire food groups that are out of the question or that I can never partake in that. So yeah, it might be a piece of chocolate cake, but I bet it's not the whole cake and I bet it's not cake every single day. Right. I bet it isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd feel pretty gross. I think for me, part of it is identifying the feeling that I'm going to have after I eat a certain amount. If I eat a couple, like one or two chocolate chip cookies, I'm not going to feel too bad. But if I eat a whole bag of chocolate chip cookies, I know how my body is going to feel. And that's not good. Right, Susan? Absolutely. And you know what? The thing could be said about what what a lot of dietitians would consider to be healthy food food. Um, I love almonds, but if I eat too many almonds, I feel sick to my stomach, you know? So it's, it's a matter of taking the labels off of food and tuning into your body. Like you said, Hey, I'm good with a couple cookies. Just like I'm okay with about a half a glass of champagne, 
But if I go beyond that, I'm at the age now where I'm going to have night sweats. I'm not going to be able to sleep. This is what happens to your listeners who are aging. Um, you know, I have a choice to make then. If I'm served a glass of champagne, I can choose to still drink it knowing that later I might have night sweats or I can choose not to because I don't want to experience that and not beat myself up either way. Exactly. And I think that's what mindfulness is, is noticing those feelings and those those emotions and those experiences, right? Right. Absolutely. So it's it's mindfulness is key throughout really every step of this bear process because it's being awake, present, using all of your senses and not, you know, checking out. Let's talk about shame, Susan. I know that you described shame as how you felt when way back when one of your first coaching clients asked for a refund oh, after her. Yeah, and that you felt shame about that. And that must have been a horrible feeling. And then you realized, you realized that your website copy didn't explain how you worked and that you all you needed to do was ups- update your website so people would know exactly how you roll. But what what about shame that we all feel associated with food and our body image? Yeah, so shame is absolutely uh, prevalent in the diet industry. So, you know, we're talking about, I don't even know what today's statistics are, but $60 billion plus, dollar, some estimates are $100 billion industry that's rooted in keeping us on this yo-yo roller coaster rat race Um, never feeling enough. And shame is a tool that our culture employs um, for many things. And, and, you know, I'm here to say for everybody listening that your body is amazing, however it's showing up today and the choices that you make are your own. And so you don't have to prove to a trainer, a dietitian, a coach, anyone that your choices are worthy or that your body is worthy. And I think that the more we can pay attention to the instances, the things, the environment, the triggers that cause shame, the more we can help heal that with compassion and love. And so absolutely, I, I, waves of shame, you know, when my client fired me and waves of shame when I would eat a whole wheel of brie. Um, and it's because we're, we're taught that we have to behave a certain way or, or, or act and eat according and move our bodies according to a certain regimen or we're not good enough. Um, and I'm here to say like, that is so counterproductive to what really needs to happen for healing. Um, that I just want to invite compassion and presence over shame. Susan, your book talks about decluttering. What does decluttering your closet have to do with your body and your goals and your vision? Oh my God, I love this one so much, particularly because um, Marie Kondo is so hot right now. Her Netflix series, Tidying Up. Um, I read her book when it came out. And the thing that resonated with me about that book was the question, does this spark joy? 
And I use that as part of my mindfulness strategy on a daily basis. And it absolutely applies to your closet. So when I assign to my clients that we're going to declutter your closet and we're going to ask the question, does this spark joy about whatever it is, your lingerie drawer, your shoes, your t-shirts, your workout gear. Most of my clients get really excited because they are, they're like, Ooh, declutter. Okay. I can do that because they think that it's not going to be as deep as it is. And it honestly brings up some of the most painful thoughts and feelings to work on for my clients because in your closet, if your listeners are anything like me, you probably have a range of sizes. You probably have ambition clothing. So, oh, when I drop that last 10 pounds, I'm going to wear that dress. Or you have, um, I had a stack of jeans at various sizes just in case. And part of decluttering is, guess what? The fabric that you're putting against your skin has energy. And if it's clothing that doesn't fit you right now, it's got to go. If it's clothing that, you know, I was just covering up and trying to be quote unquote acceptable, but I didn't really like my wardrobe. So think about putting things against your skin that you're just like, eh, or I hope it covers me up enough. That has real ramifications in your life. And so instead, what I work with my clients to do is most of my clients are like, you know what, if I get rid of everything that doesn't fit me and everything that doesn't spark joy, I'm not going to have much. And I say, you know what, I would rather you have three things in that closet that do spark joy that you wear over and over and over again while you rebuild what you have, whether it's through consignment shops or sales or whatever, um, versus putting things on that you hate. I mean, there is a real energy and magic to clothing and whether your listeners listening to this, some people are like, yeah, I'm just not that into fashion. Yeah, but I bet if you go to your closet right now and ask that question, does this spark joy, you're going to look at what you put on in a really different light. Yeah, I think you're right. And speaking of sparking joy, tell us about the joy that was sparked the first time you got a call from the Oprah people. Oh my gosh. Well, I was sitting in this chair and... Um, the first time and it was a message that they were going to call back i missed the call they were going to call back and i i sweating um you know just couldn't believe it me in indiana getting a call from oprah's people when i finally connected with them i was in my car in savannah georgia which is where i'm originally from and i was actually going to a restaurant to meet my family for lunch and I was just, they were like, where is she? Because I was circling the block on the phone with Oprah's people. And I was like, I'm not parking this car until I find out what's up. Um, but it, it really was a feeling of um, validation and um, relief that what I was doing was making a difference and getting some attention in the world. Wow, that's fantastic. And then you went on to work with Oprah's people. Tell us about that. How did that happen? Yeah, so there were a couple of different projects. Um, one project was in conjunction with Ikea stores. And um, I traveled to about four different major market Ikea stores and gave um, 
like living your best life type workshops in store. And then that led to a collaboration with O Magazine and Seattle's Best Coffee, where I was sort of the, the life coach coffee chat featured in campaigns. Um, and then I also, Ikea came back again and I was on um, a team with Lisa Ling and some other amazing women and it was called the Life uh, Improvement Squad. And so that was also a really fun project in magazine and live events. And so um, it was it was an amazing experience each time. Wow, that's great. It must have been so exciting. I know in your book, you talk a lot about toxic thoughts. Yes. What do we do about toxic thoughts? Well, there are so many thought replacement um, strategies that your listeners could try. And I'm sure you've covered some of them on your podcast before. Um, toxic thoughts. I remember when I first learned that I was not my thoughts and that I could actually disbelieve or disprove my thoughts. I thought I had won the lottery and also realized, oh, this is why I'm so tired all the time. I'm walking around telling myself awful things on a consistent basis. And so a few of the strategies that I love to do, um, one is to try pivoting or replacing those thoughts with, if it's not a positive thought, at least a neutral thought that can help bring your feeling state up from whatever negative feeling state a toxic thought is generating. So if you're stepping on the scale and you're thinking something like, you know, I'm fat and worthless and nothing ever works, that's gonna create a physical vibration in your body that's not helpful and that will lead to action that we don't like. And so um, I love to brainstorm creatively. You may not be able to go from you know, my body is terrible and worthless to my body is beautiful in one pivot. But you could think of and reach for a neutral thought, like I'm learning how to love the skin I'm in. Um, so I really enjoy buffer or bridge thoughts. I'm learning how to, I'm open to learning how to, until you can reach for a, a kinder loving thought, like I'm amazing just how I am. Oh, that's great. Is seven one of your lucky numbers? How did you come up with a seven-week program? You know, I use seven a lot. I use seven in my pricing, seven steps. Um, it is one of my favorite numbers, but the bear process, I have to admit, was originally only six steps. And uh, the seventh step that I added was pleasure. And pleasure, um, I love to say that you really don't need more willpower here. What you need is more pleasure in your life. And I, it was one of those things that I say so often that it was right in front of my face. And I thought, what? I need to add that as an actual step in the process and cultivating more pleasure. So it was six. Now it's seven, which made me delightful, delighted about that. I love seven. Yeah. And in seven weeks you can transform your body. Seven weeks isn't very long. It's not very long. And and the thing about the bear process is it's seven steps. I, I was asking people, I have a membership community for bear. And I said, hey, um, I'm going on the news this morning and then I'm going to be on Bruce's podcast. And, you know, what would you say? What would you want a viewer or a listener to, to understand? And many of the women commented how miracles happen for them so quickly. It doesn't mean that at the end of seven weeks, you have no more work to do. It means that you have quite a jump start. And we repeat the seven steps in our daily lives over and over and over again. And it becomes like breathing. It becomes part of how you are in the world. 
Well, I love the subtitle of your book because it's just just makes me feel energetic and alive. The seven week program to transform your body, get more energy, feel amazing, and become the bravest, most unstoppable version of you. How does this program give you courage and strength and this bravery? Well, one of the steps is the final step is called make a scene and be seen. And make a scene is all about advocating for yourself, creating boundaries, um, speaking up in small ways and in large ways. And so it's not so much about being disruptive, although that could be how you make a scene. It's more about using your voice to say what you want and ask for what you want in a bold way. And so there's a whole a whole week, a whole module around how to do that. And then being seen um, also as part of it that typically my clients who have spent their whole lives trying to shrink their bodies are have spent their whole lives trying not to be visible because they didn't think that they were worth it or their bodies were good enough for it. And so um, that boldness, that bravery is part of the bear process. So I teach you how. As a coach, as a person who helps women with their body image, have you ever been bullied? Do you have a story about this you can share with us? You know, I hate to say this, but I'm actually, there's a lot of online bullying that happens on a consistent basis. Um, I find that the the higher I go and the more reach I have, the more online trolls and bullies come out and want to say nasty things. And so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, over the years, I have had a number of even groups of people who don't like the messaging that I have. I mean, you have to think about how many people um, within the diet industry count on women feeling less than. And so if you have someone promoting that you can actually stop dieting and learn how to have a sustainable and loving relationship with yourself, they're going to, they're going to spend some time throwing rocks at that. And so um, I would say the, the biggest case of that that has happened within the past year is there was someone actually who had has a prominent following, a large following, who was asking a question about food and body. And some people who enjoy my messaging went on that Facebook page and said, hey, you know, you should check out Susan Hyatt's Bear Process. And they put a link to it to my website. And this person went and looked and didn't like what she saw and had some really negative terrible things to say about it. And so then these thousands of her followers just kind of piled on and people were tagging me and defending me. And I just, I just said, you know what, I'm not dipping my toe in that hornet's nest. Like that is not worth my time and energy. It stung a little to see it online. And this is, you know, I have a 20 year old and an 18 year old who you know, for the past 10 years of them being on social media, whether it's Tumblr, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, this kind of thing goes on. And I have to model for my kids either if it happens on my page, I might say something back, but I'm not purposefully going to go into a situation where it's toxic and waste my energy on that. Like I want to be a leader online and I want to show women what it's like 
to stand up for yourself, but in a way that is not tearing down other people. But honestly, I hate to say it, um, you know, the saying, you know, don't attend every fight you're invited to. Um, I could potentially be invited to fights every day. <laughs> I, choose not wow. to. I choose not to. Where's the best place for us to find you online, Susan? The best place would be either shyatt.com, S-H-Y-A-T-T, or letsgetbear.com. That's the book website. Letsgetbear.com. Okay. Well, I have five quick answer questions as we move forward here. If you just, just quick 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life, Susan? I would say the woman who trained me, Dr. Martha Beck. Um, she is a great role model for mindfulness and she absolutely introduced the concept to me in the first place. I think Martha Beck is awesome. I've read her book and uh, I noticed that she uh, she commented on your book. She yeah. endorsed your book right on the cover. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I was pretty happy about that. Absolutely. Yeah, she's wonderful. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Susan? Wow. So mindfulness helped me not only recognize what emotions I was actually feeling, um, but what was creating that emotional state, my thoughts, and then um, how to stay present with myself, create more good feeling. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? So breathing is, wow, so core. I find myself periodically through the day taking deep breaths because it it just brings everything back to center for me. So breathing, um, I'm an athlete and it's also key in terms of cycling and running. And I mean, the human breath is really everything. You've written two books, Create Your Own Luck. And of course, this new book, which is going to be a bestseller. I'm absolutely sure of that. Bear, a seven-week program. We've talked about uh, it quite a bit, but are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? I would say, I, I mean, I always recommend my favorite self-help book of all time is Martha Beck's Finding Your Own North Star. And right. there's quite a bit in there that I think your readers would enjoy. Um, and The Artist's Way by Julie Cameron is also a great book along the same lines. Those two are some of my favorites to recommend. They're great books, both of them. Are there any apps that you recommend either for dieting, uh, dieting, well, it's not dieting, you know, that's almost like, a, I shouldn't even say that word, right? But you know what I mean? Like, are there any apps that you would recommend to any of your followers? You know what? I am probably the least techie person, even though you wouldn't think that by observing me online. Um, but I don't use apps for mindfulness, although I know that mindful is like the number one mindfulness app out there that a lot of my clients use. Do you meditate? I do meditate, but I meditate through a moving meditation. Tell I, us about it. Hilariously, I used to try to sit like on a meditation pillow and watch a candle and do all the things. And I didn't have much luck with it. And what I noticed was that running is a moving meditation for me. I, the breathing involved and the movement allows me to really get into the zone. And honestly, all of my best business ideas and solutions to my problems happen when I'm running. Oh, that's great. Yeah, running can be a great form of meditation. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Susan, it's been awesome to talk 
to you about your new book and we can find it at shyatt.com s hyatt h-y-a-t-t and uh of course let's get bear.com that's another place to go for it check out this book i highly recommend it i think it's such a wonderful book because you've got a great way of communicating with your reader and with your followers so your followers are very fortunate to know you because you are a wonderful inspiration susan thank you so much it's such a pleasure to be here and an honor Yeah, thanks so much. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.